0: God designed us for life, an abundant life with Him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said He came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists. Hey, Cross United, I'm so glad you've joined us for this online message. This is Pastor Danny, and I want to invite you to turn to John 15. We're going to be in verses 1 through 8, and we're going to be talking about seven Christian keys for personal growth. While you're turning there, I want to remind you that you can go to crossunited.org, and there at crossunited.org you can click online check-in that will take you to our digital connection card also there at crossunited.org you can click on the top right hand side of the menu bar the giving tab which will take you to our secure online giving platform want to remind you, we are working to raise money for a book drive, the Tiger Book Challenge, to provide one age-appropriate book to every student at Norcrest Elementary School. You can sponsor a student at $25, sponsor a class at $250, sponsor a grade at $1,000. also want to let you know that we're going to be having our first interest meeting for the flight. Freedom Lies in God's Holy Truth Student Ministry on Friday, May 7th. So be on the lookout for that and mark your calendars and save the date. All right, there in John 15, verses 1 through 8, we're going to be talking about seven Christian keys to personal growth. In 1959, a young family of Croatian descent in Southern California found out that Nikki was pregnant and soon in early 1960, they welcomed baby Anthony into the world. But life for the family, the Mahavaric family, was not a happy one. There was abuse, there was addiction, divorce, and remarriage uh, means, meant that uh, little Anthony's childhood was not what he uh, would have wanted. But uh, he grew, uh, and he grew, and he grew some more. And they later found out that he had a tumor on his pituitary gland so that he grew and grew and grew. And as he grew physically, he also grew in self-confidence. And at the age of 17, he left home. Uh, Anthony never went to college, but he did educate himself. And and he found himself enthralled by the the works of the new self-help movement, like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, or uh, Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh, Anthony began working with those who plied the trade of inspiration and motivation and would, would gather crowds to, to try to help them get better at whatever it is they were looking to improve on in their lives. And Anthony found that, that his physical stature and his personality was able to capture the intention of crowds of people. And he soon began this same trade of working to motivate and inspire people. And he realized that people were willing to pay a lot of money to improve their lives and to grow personally. And he turned this talent into a multi-billion dollar um, enterprise of books, uh, lectures, TV shows, seminars, and now um, is well known as he took his adopt uh, stepfather's name and his global fame under the name of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins um, is just one of many who have discovered this this secret, that, and, which is not a secret, that people are willing to pay and pay well to try to become better. People want to change and people want to grow. People want to be motivated. They want to be inspired. They want to become better. The, the personal growth industry is something like a $40 billion a year industry in our nation, and it's only going to grow and grow increasingly over the next few years. And this this um, personal growth industry taps into something that God put into the world. You see, God made the world full of things that grow. And the the desire to grow is a good one. And when sin entered the world, um, growth now happens in all sorts of twisted and corrupted ways. So, so the desire to change is a good one because we know we need to grow and we know we need to change. We know something is not what it should be. Uh, but as much as the self-help movement has tapped in to something that God put into the world, it's also twisted that something. It's twisted something that, and that often moves people away from God and his design rather than toward God and his design. God does want us to grow. He wants us to grow personally. He wants us to change. He wants us to get better. But he wants us to do that in such a way that we're growing in the way that he designed for us. And that's what we're going to see in John 15, verses 1 through 8 you got your Bible, your app, your, see it here on the screen. I am the true vine, and the Father, my Father, is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Here is the first key of Christian personal growth, and that is Jesus. I am the true vine, he says, and my father is the gardener. Those words, I am, happen over and over in the book of John. Seven times they, they Jesus uses them in a qualified sense where he says, I am, and then uses some sort of a word picture to explain who he is and what what he does. So, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. These these phrases that that explain i am the gate i am the good shepherd these things explain who jesus is and what he's come to do well this phrase i am the true vine is one of these phrases there's also uh, five times where jesus uses the i am statement in a, in a an absolute sense simply saying i am claiming the name of god for himself here, this is the last of the I am statements, of the, of the qualified I am statements, and he says, I am the true vine. Well, what's, what's he saying there? Well, he's referring back to this Old Testament picture that happens over and over and over that refers to Israel, the people of God, as a vine or a vineyard. And, and, and almost every time this word picture comes into play, um, it talks about Israel as an unfruitful or barren vine. For example, Jeremiah 2.21, I planted you a choice vine from the very best seed. How then could you turn into a degenerate foreign vine? Jesus is the true vine because Jesus succeeds where Israel failed. Jesus obeys where Israel rebelled. Jesus is the true Israel, when, when, when God called uh, Abraham out of Ur in, into the land of promise, he planted him as a vine, but, but Israel did not grow and produce fruit like God had intended. But Jesus is the true vine, the true fruitful one who will bear the fruit that the Father desires. So the first and basic principle of Christian growth is this, you have to be connected to the vine. Branches can't grow unless they're connected to the sap of the root that helps to produce the fruit. And people do not grow without Christ by the Spirit flowing in their hearts. This is something the self-improvement, personal growth, self-help movement gets wrong. Because you listen to Tony Robbins, you listen to someone like Gary Vee or whoever, it's always going to tell you that you have within you the resources that you need. You already have what you need, that you have personal power, that you have the ability to change your situation and change your life. Now, is there a measure... Is there a measure of truth to that? Yes, there is, because there is a measure of gifting that God has given to us and strength and and provision that God has given to us. But even that is a gift. And anytime we try to grow and to flourish and to change without being tapped into the lifeblood and, 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 the, and the power of God in Christ for us by the Spirit, we're like the flowers I got for Laura on our first date. I went to the grocery store and I bought these 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 flowers and brought them to her. You know, I'm trying to impress her. I bring them to her at the door, and uh, she's like, "Oh, that's, that's so pretty." And her roommate says, "Oh, these are beautiful. Um, I'll put them in a vase. I'll get I'll get them in water so that they don't dry up." And those flowers they lasted for a few days and they looked pretty for a few days because the the cut stems you know drew the water from the vase up into the to to the to the stem and the petals of the flower but after a few days they began to wither and die because they weren't connected to the life-giving root. In the same way if we're not connected to the true vine we will wither and die. This is the first and fundamental principle of Christian growth, that you must be connected to the vine. We can look good for a time, like a flower in a vase, and that time may last for years or decades, but it will not last forever. And we are eternal. We have an eternal destiny. We're designed for eternal life. And if we are not connected to the life of the true vine, we will wither. So this, every other thing we're going to talk about, it it is a sub-point of this point. The, The key of Christian growth, the key of personal change, the key of improvement in our lives is Jesus, the true vine. And in Jesus, we see these other six keys of Christian personal growth. Second one, suffering suffering every branch in me that does not produce fruit he my father the vine dresser the gardener removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit Um, experts in horticulture um, especially those who have mastered the art of cultivating vineyards um, talk about the principle of pruning here, here's just one explanation. Pruning grapes is a vital part of their overall health. Pr- regular pruning is essential for controlling grape canes and producing quality fruit yields. Grapes should be pruned during their dormancy, usually during late winter. When it comes to pruning grapes, the most common mistake people make is not pruning hard enough. Light pruning now listen to this, does not produce adequate fruiting, whereas heavy pruning produces the greatest quality of grapes. Knowing how to prune grapes can make the difference between a good crop and a bad one. When pruning grapes, you'll want to cut off as much of the old wood as possible. This will encourage the growth of new wood, which is where the fruit is produced. Both the removal of fruitless branches And the trimming of fruitful branches contributes to the overall health of the vine. An amateur vine dresser will not prune enough, but God is a master gardener. And so he prunes. He removes fruitless branches. And he trims fruitful ones. And and in the moment, here's what's interesting. In the moment... It feels the same to the fruitless branches and the fruitful branches. It seems like God is indiscriminately bringing pain and suffering into the life of both the fruitless branch and the fruitful branch. But the one we're going to see is for judgment and for burning. And the other is for joyful bearing. That God is not punishing the fruitful branch he is he is training it he he is he is disciplining it he is trimming it so that it will produce even more fruit I, imagine there's a there's a vine that has all of these leafy branches growing off of it it looks like it's so healthy and 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 growing but you look and there's not a single grape on those branches. Well, those branches are diverting resources. They're diverting sap. They're diverting the the, the stuff of fruitful growth into their leaves and their branches without the fruit they're designed to produce. And so a master vintner, a a master vine dresser will trim that off so that those resources go where they're supposed to go to producing fruit. I think God is trimming Um, us in this season as we're moving into a, a new season and god is moving us into a new location this is a a season of pruning so that we will bear even more fruit and maybe you're in a season of pruning maybe you're in a season of suffering and you wonder is god mad at me am i being punished well if you are in christ The scripture says that the Lord disciplines the the children that he loves and that the discipline in the moment isn't joyful, isn't pleasant, but painful. But he's doing it to remove from your life those things that are diverting the life that God has given you into unfruitful ways. Trust the master gardener in your suffering. The third key hearing you are already clean because of the word i have spoken to you as we hear jesus speak to us in the gospel by the spirit as we hear the word of christ in the scripture god miraculously uses that it's like a roto for our heart it's a it's a scrub brush for our sin the word of god comes in and has a cleansing effect it's like it's like um borax or comet to scrub the soap scum and the gunk off of our hearts and our in our lives as we hear the word of god and we listen to christ fourth abiding remain in me and i in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. This is something that we sometimes call union with Christ. That... The Apostle Paul refers to as being in Christ or being united to Christ, to abide, remain in Christ. It is the only pathway to personal growth, personal change, and personal transformation. It is the only way to the life that God offers to us. Life like God intended is only found in union with Christ. The problem is we don't actually believe this we don't believe that apart from christ we can't do anything we don't believe it but he doesn't say without me you can do a tiny bit without me you can't do much no he says you can do nothing without me well you might think well there's lots of people who aren't Christians that do all sorts of things. Well, first of all, the very ambition in their hearts, the strength in their bodies, the intelligence in their minds, the clarity of their sight, those things are a gift from the creator to his creatures. So even those who are not in Christ can only do things as a gift from Christ and insofar as Christ has given them life and breath and being. How much more so for the Christian who has tapped into the life of the vine? Can we not do anything apart from the power of Christ? I have a pastor friend who tells a story after a community tragedy of being interviewed with another pastor, and uh, they're they're talking about the the response to this this thing, and and one, the one pastor says we need to stop praying and start doing something, and, and my friend says he just kind of paused and just thought, when did the power of God become optional for the church? When did we think that we can act apart from prayer? Now, does that mean we just sit in a place of of passive repose where we're just leaning back and not doing anything? Of course not. It means that prayer leads to prayerful action empowered by the power of Christ in the Spirit. Recently, I was um, having difficulties sleeping, which is unusual for me. Usually, I sleep like a bear hibernating in winter. But I woke up in the middle of the night and I just could not get back to sleep. I tried watching a Bob Ross video on YouTube. Usually, that just lulls me right, right to sleep. Um, and I just, I just couldn't sleep. And so I just, I, I realized in that moment that there, this was an opportunity uh, to reflect. And, and to pray and to just to spend some time with Jesus. And I thought about a, a verse from Psalm sixteen seven, which says, "At night, when my thoughts trouble me, I will bless the Lord who counsels me." And my thoughts were troubling me, and I just I was, you know, in the in the quiet of the dark, these things get loud. And I started thinking about all the ways I wish I had had done better, and all the ways that I hadn't succeeded the way I want to, all the ways that I'm not as strong as I would like to be. And and the Lord brought to mind this. Passage from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that christ's power may reside in me and and as i reflected on that this thought came into my mind and i just had this sense you have not been too weak you have been too strong because his power is perfected in weakness Fifth, watching, watching. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. Beware, lest you fall into sin and unbelief and prove yourself unconverted. Recently, there have been a number of well-known teachers bible teachers artists authors who have come out publicly usually on instagram and said i no longer believe and we don't know what god's doing and those those people may be brought back by the grace and the mercy of god but the point is this that people who have shown themselves and seem to be genuine christians could have been deceived both deceived in their own hearts they could have displayed a form of godliness but without its power and not ever have truly known what it is to be in the vine to be in christ to be united to christ because those who are united to christ christ never lets go that those the father gives to him he will come to him and those who come to him he will never cast out so that if we are saved we are always saved But people can appear to be saved and not actually be saved, which is why the scripture says, for example, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? Watch yourself and your heart. Stay connected to Jesus. Don't ever move beyond simple faith in Christ and simple love for Christ. Sixth, asking. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. We spent a whole message on this. It's on our website um, and our YouTube and Facebook channels uh, talking about praying in Jesus' name. If you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. But the point is this, that those who abide in Christ begin to have their desires align with Christ so that they begin to ask for things that are the will of Christ and are, and then they receive those things by the power of Christ in the spirit. Finally, seventh, following, verse eight, my father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to me be my disciples. You know, God didn't save us just for the fun of it. Now, He rejoices immeasurably over our salvation, for sure. But He saved us for a purpose. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of the result of works, so that no one should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, his his masterwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which Christ has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created for good works, for a fruitful life of obedience and faith. And what Jesus is doing, what the Father is doing as he prunes us and as he trims away all of the junk in our lives is he is making us more fruitful like he designed us to be. He's taking away the distractions. He's taking away the things that don't matter, that are diverting the power and the life that he's giving to us into things that don't matter eternally. And he's, he's funneling them into the place where they will bear the most fruit. So, what now? So what now? First, lean into suffering. Lean into suffering. Look at your pain as the opportunity to grow. Remember this painful principle of pruning. Muscle growth only happens when that muscle gets worked and broken down so that it can be built back up stronger. Stop trying to be Superman or Wonder Woman. It's not that you're too weak. You are too strong. His power is perfected in your weakness. You can do nothing without him. You might as well embrace it and say, praise be your name. Lean into it. Give thanks in it. Second, pray consistently, Christianly, in Christ, pray. Some of the principles we talked about recently, um, prayer cards, alarms, those sorts of things. Make it your ambition and your habit to pray. Because those four minutes of prayer are more important than the next four hours of your day. Finally, abide in Christ. Now, I know this doesn't sound practical because, like, what does it mean to abide? What, what, that sounds somewhat ambiguous or somewhat, like, you know, spiritual. What does it mean? Well, um, Craig Keener, biblical scholar, says that it's a complete and continued dependence for the Christian life on the indwelling Christ. To make it your habit to consciously be aware of the presence and the power of Jesus in you and for you. To look inside, not for your own personal power, but for the power of Christ. If you have turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus for forgiveness of your sin, so that that God has forgiven your sin and given you eternal life. He has put the spirit of the living Christ inside of you. Abide in Christ. Trust Christ. Talk to Jesus. Have this ongoing internal dialogue. Like you have a Bluetooth in your ear connected to heaven. And all day, it's you can just, any moment, just say, Hey, you're listening? Yeah, I'm here. I need your help. I got you. Shape your mind with the word of God. Read scripture. Listen to scripture. You know, the Bible app on your phone has, you can, you can, it's all free. You know, you download it and you can listen to the Bible as you drive. You can read it on your phone when you got a four minute break at work. Memorize scripture. Memorize one verse and just get it into your heart and into your mind. Sing scripture. Get good, good, theologically driven songs that, that train you in the way of Jesus. Come to church consistently, serve. Read good books. Abide in Christ. The the alternatives to abiding in Christ are you you could abide in work. You could abide in your family. You could abide in entertainment. Netflix or social media, or your hobbies, your birthday parties, ball games, brunches and boats, the pleasures of wine, women or water the addictions that you hide. But these things will not give you life. Cultivate a life in Christ. I grew up in Northern California, um, and it, it was very common to drive, be driving and see um, a small or large vineyard on the you know side of the road and... And uh, not too far north of us was wine country. And uh, I was reading this thing recently about the, the principle of leadership and growth, um, learning from the, the wine and and the vintners and the vine dressers of, of the Napa Valley. And uh, I just thought this was really interesting. And I think really connects with what we're talking about here. And that the writer says, before I traveled to California, I didn't realize just how much went into planning and cultivating a vineyard. I never considered the time required to prepare the soil. The first year a vintner plants shoots of vines rather than seeds because these yield the strongest vines. At the end of the first growing season, he cuts them back. A second year passes. Cuts them back again. Only after the third year does he see his first viable cluster of grapes. Serious vintners leave those clusters on the vines. And for most, it's not until year four that they'll bring in their fruit harvest. For those growing grapes for winemaking, they'll bottle their harvest but won't taste the fruit of their labors until year seven or eight. Most vineyards in Napa Valley won't reach a break-even point for their investment until year 15, 18 or beyond. Yet a well-cared-for vineyard will continue to produce a harvest for 40 years or more. This is what God is doing. In your life, this is what God is doing in our church. He wants us to grow as we are connected to the true vine. Not for the sake of ourselves, not with some sort of self-empowerment mantra, but with the truth of the life of Christ. God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists.